Welcome to Fixing the Talk Sports. I am your host, Ryan Brown, and joining me today will be none other than the founder of Mouth and Off Sports. That would be one, Dan Sadik, as well as our other esteemed colleague at Mouth and Off, Jonathan Sullivan. Boys, how are we doing today? Doing lovely. Doing lovely. Uh, thank you for, uh, for having me. Happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So let's, let's get right to it. Uh, we're going we're gonna to lead off with the NFL, and we got wild card weekend. It's being termed super wild card weekend because we've never had six wild card games in one weekend. But before we get to that, I want to get our season, 2020 season takeaways. I'll start. For me, it was the biggest thing that I took from this year was the inconsistent handling of the COVID product protocols at times. You would have a team like Denver have their entire QB, all of their quarterbacks uh, violate the protocols and they're not allowed to play and they're forced to play with some practice squad wide receiver at quarterback and they absolutely tank and lose. Whereas you had the football team had their starting quarterback go out to a strip club and violate protocols. And he was allowed to practice two days later. So just inconsistency with the handling of the protocols just, just seemed to be a theme. Sometimes we would delay games, postpone games. And other times we just try and make an example out of, out of a team for violating the protocols. So just the inconsistencies, I didn't like that. But otherwise, not surprised that they were able to get through from week one to week six, 17 and get to the playoffs. What did you guys feel about it? Dan, I'll start with you. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to start by echoing some of the same stuff you were saying, Ryan, is the inconsistencies. It felt like the NFL was going to have a hard line stance, uh, as we saw with the Patriots earlier on, um, having that game moved and then ultimately played. Um you know, but the NFL showed that they're willing to do gymnastics when it comes to moving the goalposts. And that's really what they did a lot of the time throughout the year, rescheduling games, switching up bye weeks, whatever the case may be, they did everything in their power to avoid adding that week 18 that we heard about and adding another playoff team per conference, which we also heard rumblings about. And yeah, it's largely that. And it's, you know, I don't think the product suffered too, too much from the lack of off season and the lack of uh, preseason, but I think it did when it came to teams that had, you know, their situations altered greatly, not saying that the Patriots would have, you know, uh, won 11 games if they had a real preseason and off season. But I think that whether it was rookie QBs coming into play or other teams that, you know, maybe were trying to implement new systems, I think those teams uh, were hurt more so, and that's just natural for that to happen uh, with the lack of offseason and a lack of a uh, training camp uh, in preseason. And you even saw that with Tampa Bay, um, you know, and they held plenty of unofficial workouts. Uh, Brady did. And you saw a lot of that in the spring and in the summer, but even a team like that, they seem to get off to a pretty bumpy start. Um with all the talent surrounding uh, that team, especially at the helm with Brady. But 
just teams like that, teams like uh, whether it be the Jets um, or the Eagles, um, you know, you get a few injuries early on, especially if you're the Eagles. And all of a sudden you're looking at yourself and you're, you know, last in your horrible division um, or you're just clawing your way uh, right back up by switching quarterbacks and then ultimately tanking at the end. Like you mentioned, Ryan, I mean, you just saw a little bit of everything this year. And I think uh, we'll never forget, uh, forget it from a, you know, visual standpoint. Agreed. Jonathan. Um, I was actually, kind of, you guys mentioned that you thought like the NFL obviously had some double standard for some teams, but I was pretty impressed by their ability. I mean, they added like a week in 18 potentially like in case they need to add a week, but you know, you had some teams that caught an unfavorable draw, certainly for COVID, but to get all the games in and in 17 weeks as scheduled and get the playoffs off and running right now. I mean, I, I have to give the league props for that. And other than that, like the product itself without fans was obviously going to be different, but as like an avid red zone watcher, as we all are watching the product on TV, didn't really feel much different than the product in previous seasons. I felt the product was strong. The offense was similar. The defense I thought was similar. And I, I would give the NFL props for getting through the season and presenting a product that was very similar, if not completely similar to at least what I've come to expect from the league, which is very good week to week games. And uh, I got to give them props for that. Yeah, I can't really argue with that. Dan, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, yeah, like, ultimately, you do got to kind of give them credit where credit's due in terms of uh, getting the season in, you know, knock on wood, still got uh, playoffs and all all that good stuff that the Patriots won't be a part of. Um, yeah, I mean, you got to give them some credit for that. And especially a league and a commissioner where I feel like we set the bar fairly well. Um, and don't expect too much because of just what they've effed up over the years in terms of like, you know, serious situations that you have to be, you know, sort of thread the needle at times, but ultimately they did. So, I mean, give them credit for that. And uh, yeah, yeah. I'm just kind of happy that there wasn't this like shutdown period for two weeks and then try to restart it. And that could have opened up a whole can of worms that, who knows if he ever could have closed up. So, you know, kudos. Gotcha. All right. Let's move into the games this weekend. And we'll start, oh we'll go in order of the games that will be played. So we'll start off with Indianapolis at Buffalo. Buffalo is six and a half point favorites. The over under is set at 51. Buffalo hasn't won a playoff game since 1995. And that's that losing streak of games includes last year's just choke job to the Texans in overtime. Uh, Philip Rivers isn't much better uh, himself, uh, the quarterback for the Colts. He's five and six in postseason games. But interesting of note is Indy has won their opening playoff game the last three times they've advanced to the postseason. So, Jonathan. Give me a matchup or a player to watch for in this game. All right. Uh, the player to watch for me is uh, Indianapolis running back Jonathan Taylor. He has been uh, on, on quite a tear lately. I will read you his last four weeks of the NFL season, weeks 14 through 17. 
Uh, week 14, 20 for 150 and two touchdowns. Week 15, 16 for 83 and a touchdown. Week 16, 18 for 74 and two touchdowns. And week 17, 30 for 253 and two touchdowns. Is that good, Jonathan? It's not bad. <laughs> and Buffalo has not been good that much this year against the run. Buffalo obviously has a very high-powered offense. But as I've, we've talked about Kansas City before, the way you beat a high-powered offense is with a slow death, which is through the ground and pound of the opposition. And I think the way Jonathan Taylor's running, if he has one of these, you know, 25 for 150 in two touchdown games, like he's, like he's shown in the last – he's getting really hot at the right time for the Colts, then that's a real, uh, a real X factor that I think they can uh, – can potentially pull the upset. I would say he's probably the most important player on the field for the Colts tomorrow. Dan, who's your player or matchup to watch for in this one? Uh, my player um, is uh, absolutely Stephon Diggs. Um, I just think it's kind of obvious, but like, look, if he's going to be torching you uh, up and down the field, like he did to the Patriots, like he's did for most of this year. I mean, you just don't see guys go to a new system and a new quarterback and coach like that if you're a wide receiver and produce the way he has. And he and DeAndre Hopkins both clearly have broken that mold. Both of them, I believe they're the top two leaders in receiving yards um, at the very least. And they're just ridiculous. And if Josh Allen isn't crapping on, on himself or throwing the ball away or anything like that, I don't see how the Bills don't win and likely cover this game against the Colts and they're at home first game that Bill's mafia is going to be able to attend in uh, well over a year. And, you know, I don't know. I just, I think the bills are legit and Stefan Diggs obviously very much legit. So I would say watch out uh, for him. Absolutely. Yeah. Stefan Diggs hasn't just produced Dan. He's really dominated. <laughs> he led the NFL this year in catches and yards, 127 catches. For 1,535 yards, both NFL best. So I can't fault you for picking him to be the player to watch for. Now, my my matchup to watch for in this game will be sort of bouncing off of UDS. It'll be the Buffalo receivers versus the Indy secondary. The Colts were 20th against the pass in 2020. So they, they're a little sus when it comes to pass defense. And, but Bert and Buffalo had the third best passing attack. So if Indy wants to, to really play spoiler and pull the upset in this one, they're going to need to contain the likes of Diggs, John Brown, Cole Beasley, if Cole Beasley is able to play. Um, so if, if they're, but if they're able to do that, Indy has the second best run defense in the league. So Buffalo is going to have trouble getting things going if their aerial assault is not on point which leads into my X factor for the game. And that's Josh Allen. He did not play well last year in his in the playoff game. He crapped the bed, like you said, and he needs a big performance to bounce back and prove that he's not just a regular season fantasy stud. Like he is a legit quarterback that can come through in the clutch in big games. Uh, so he's, he's a guy that has to be going for the bills if they want to survive in advance. Uh, for me, X factor in this game, I would say absolutely has to be a guy like Cole Beasley um, on the bills. 
And I'm a big Cole Beasley guy, but he's someone that, you know, and who knows, like it end up might, uh, might end up being like Tower Cross or, uh, or um, what's his face? I'm blanking on the other tight end's name. But um, Dawson Knox. Yeah, Dawson Knox, my guy. But one of those secondary uh, guys are going to have to produce, not go off, you know, for like eight for 130 and two tutties, but just be somewhat productive so that, you know, Allen's not going to have to rely too heavily on digs or he at least has another option. And, uh, you know, and they don't have to try to work out the run game too much because we all know that the run game is just not very good. Dawson Knox, your guy that you didn't remember about. He was my guy. I'm kind of a Tower Cross guy now. Jonathan, who's your X Factor? Uh, I'll go my X Factor. I, I like Jonathan Taylor, as I mentioned earlier. He's very important. But my X Factor for the Colts, I'll pick T.Y. Hilton. T.Y. Hilton's been a very inconsistent wide receiver this year as someone that governed him in fantasy in a, in a league at the beginning of the season. I actually ended up dropping him, and then he, he kind of had a uh, – uh, renaissance towards the second half of the year and especially if the, you guys are talking about Buffalo's wide receivers um, it sounds like you guys think it might be like a, a high scoring game especially the way the Bills offense is playing then the Colts are going to need second half of the year T.Y. Hilton because if, if it's first half of the year T.Y. Hilton then the Colts wide receiving core after him you got Pittman and it's just it's just very weak it's not very strong uh, so he's if he shows up tomorrow then that's a good sign for the Colts and who do you – what are your picks for this one? Give me give me your picks for the spread and the over-under. Okay. Uh, I like the over, but I like Indianapolis to cover. I believe they're getting Yuck. six – I believe they're getting six and a half. Yep. I will go 34-28. Bills. Mm. Yeah, cool. It's going to be uh, – the over is going to hit – and the Bills are going to cover. I just don't – I don't see Phil Rivers covering six and a half. See, I'll believe it when I see it. See, I do believe it, Dan. I have Indy covering as well. Now, but here's where I differ with you guys. I know we talked about offense in the, in, in the matchups and players and X-Factors, but I really am unsure that there are going to be a lot of points in this one. I think it's going to oh. – I really Ooh. think the under is going to hit here. And I'm, I'm ta- so I'm taking Indy to cover, and I got the under. But I have Buffalo winning the game. I think Buffalo will win by three. And I actually have think that they can make a little bit of a run here. And I, I see them going as far as the conference championship game. I don't think yeah. they're a Super Bowl team, but I think they can get to the conference championship and perhaps give – a team like the Chiefs, a run for their money, but I don't, I don't, I don't foresee a Super Bowl run from either of these teams. Hmm. Yeah, I, I definitely could see the Bills at least making the conference uh, championship, but I don't see anybody getting best, uh, Casey, in the right. AFC. Yeah, let's move on to the next matchup, and it is the LA Rams going up north to play the Seattle Seahawks. The Seahawks are three and a half point favorites. The over under is set at 42 and a half. Jonathan, I will start with you here. Uh, These two teams split the regular season matchups 
And my thing of note here before I get to you, Jonathan, is that Russell Wilson, the only team that he has a losing record against is the Rams. So maybe not ideal. Maybe it is. We'll see. Jonathan, who do you, who's your player or matchup to watch for in this one? Uh, I'm watching uh, Jared Goff. Uh, he's obviously the most important player for the Rams. He's going to be a game-time decision. If he does not play, the Rams do not have a chance to win this game. Uh, I'm just – that's all I need to say. If, if Jared Goff does not play, the Rams are not going to win. And I'm not a Jared Goff fan. But yeah. that backup they had, uh, whatever his name was, Wofford or whatever. John Wofford or uh, He's awful. Yeah. He's awful. Hey, hey, hey. Whoa, whoa. Before you say he was totally garbage, I mean, he was the first NFL quarterback to ever – Go, go throw for 200 and rush for 50 in his first career start. I'm just going to throw that out there. I don't care. They scored nine points. They're all, it's awful. All right. Well, <laughs> I will agree with you. Jared Goff was also my player to watch for similar reasons. Cause I mean, they've turned, they, if Goff doesn't play, they're turning to Wolford second career start, no playoff experience whatsoever. Seattle's defense was on a tear the last half of the season. They led the, the NFL in scoring defense the last second, the second half of the season. So no golf. It'll just be that much tougher for the Rams offense to get anything going. Huh. So I don't know for sure if he's going to be matched up on him, but if he is, it's Ramsey and DK Metcalf, Jalen Ramsey and DK Metcalf. If I don't know if he's matched up on Lockett. Regardless, whoever's covering DK Metcalf, I find that to be the play, uh, the matchup to watch, because, like, look, he's their most talented wideout. He's Russ's favorite target, and if it's a Tyler Tyler Lockett day, I don't know if I feel too great about the Seahawks. If it's a DK Metcalf day, then I I think it's one of those things where, you know, he could really have a going away party. It could really be. Not a bloodbath, but you know, I just don't. I don't think uh, Seattle um, is really in a losing spot here. They're at home, and yeah, they're playing the Rams, who again have a talented team. But I just don't think the Rams have enough, and I think Jared Goff is a fraud. So I mean, I, I don't know. I I'll take um, I'll take DK, who, whoever's covering DK, and uh, DK is the matchup to watch. Funny you say that because my X factor is actually Tyler Lockett because with the Rams possessing not only the best passing defense in the league, they have the best overall defense in the league. And so you need big plays. You need to get behind this defense, break it to break it down. You're not going to be able to run through it because they're top five in that too. So you're, you're going to need big chunk plays. And Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to be the guys to do it. I think DK is probably the more likely of the two to have a, bet, a better game. But if Lockett can go off, then that I feel like that's huge for, for Russell Wilson and the Seahawks' chances of, of advancing. Because you, if, if there's one player that I want to, to be able to pop off, yes, you probably – probably want it to be DK, but in my eyes, I want it to be Lockett because if Lockett's going off, then that means DK Metcalf should be able to get his as well. Fair. 
Jonathan? My X Factor is actually going to be Tyler Higby, a tight end for the Los Angeles Rams. Mm. Uh, in the first match that we in Seattle, Higby had a uh, he had 60 yards receiving, which was his second most in any game um, <laughs> this season. And One. I think that Seattle's secondary is, is has improved. Their defense has obviously improved. I think Cup and Woods are very good, but especially if you're going to have a this uh, Wofford starting again, or even Goff limited, probably throwing the ball down the field because of his injury, you'd need like a, a safety blanket like over the middle. And I think Higby could be a, a real X factor. I if if he has a big day, I think the Rams might have a chance. But he's uh, he's vitally important for their uh, for their quarterback play, just to give him you know a quick five yard, six yard out or something like that, which I don't think the wide receivers do as well as uh, the tight end will for the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And he he struggled this year. He had very I don't want to say too high of expectations, but he definitely had some expectations. Yeah, I mean, fa- last year. fantasy-wise, people were projecting him as, like, a, a breakout, like, this guy might be finished top three, top four tight end this season and yeah. disappointed investors greatly. Mm-hmm. Yes, who's yours? So my X Factor for this game going to be on the same team, but it's going to be Jamal Adams. Uh He's my X factor because one, he's their best defensive player, um, you know, on that side of the ball B, you know, he's been very public about how hyped he is about being in the playoffs. Oh, he's never been here before. You know, I, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he's, you know, out there on the podium, like, Oh, I have no idea what this is like. I'm sorry. Y'all I'm sorry. I've never been in this spot. All right, bro. All right. Let's see it. Let's see it. We'll see you. We'll see you ball out, you know, home against the LA Rams. Um, you know, your defense, yeah, has been uh, better, you know, in the latter half, but let's see it. You're, uh, you're supposed to be pretty much the best player on that team. You've never been in the playoffs. I want to see you do something in the playoffs. Let's see it. Fair. All right. I'll give my picks for this one first. I, I think Seattle covers, but I also think that this is going to be a clunker of a game. The, the Seahawks offense has been very hit or miss of late and the one the last time these two teams matched up which was only two weeks ago in week 16 seattle won 20 tonight so i hate to be the the bearer of no fun picking the over but i i, I gotta go with the under again Boo. Uh, i'll go uh so i think the seahawks cover as well I just like part of me wants to think that, you know, the Rams are going to, you know, show you something and golf is actually going to be somewhat decent, but I just don't see it. And I think the, you know, the Seahawks probably win by, you know, at least a touchdown. Um, So I like that. And then to your credit, Ryan. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to take the under because I don't believe in Jared Goff. I, I, I don't, I think they need someone else there and I don't think that offense is going to be able to hang with uh, Seattle's, and I don't. I don't even think Seattle's going to go off for all that uh, for all that much. So the under. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to keep parroting what you boys, what nah. you two just said. Uh, I think it's going to be an absolutely disgusting game. <laughs> I think not many touchdowns, probably some field goals, 
wouldn't surprise me if there's like a safety in this game. Uh, I do like Seattle to cover. And since I'm saying I think there might be a safety, I'm going to give you a greasy score. I am going to go Seattle 23, the Rams 12. That is my score Yuck. prediction for this game. That score got me? I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> but but to, to wrap this game up, uh, for me, I don't see – whoever wins, I don't see either of these teams going any farther than the next round. I <laughs> – I think I, Seattle has a chance to get hot, but the Rams, I agree. I don't think the Rams are going anywhere. I don't even know if I trust Seattle because, yes, the defense has been playing much better, but the offense, which they've got the weapons, they, they, and they're just still inconsistent. They're struggling against teams that they shouldn't be struggling against, and I, 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 don't, I don't have much faith in them. Uh, funny you should say that. I had the Seahawks going to the Super Bowl. Good God. And winning. What? Yeah. All right. I need you to elaborate on this. What, All right. are, you see- what are you seeing in them that I don't see? It's not so much as what I see. It's that I don't believe that the Tampa Bay Bucks are going to be able to hold it together in their pants long enough to get through the NFC title game. And B, I never, not once, have ever believed in Aaron, I hate my family, Rodgers. I don't believe in that bum, all right? I don't – one, I don't like – I don't like the cut of his jib. I don't like him, okay? He can sit there on Pat McAfee Tuesdays all he wants, but he's a mm, – ah, he – He's not good. I mean, yeah, he's I mean, good. He's he's so bad that he's about to win the MVP. That's how bad he is. All right. Yeah. 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 He, he can take all the all the damn MVPs he wants. All right. He hasn't done it in a decade. He hasn't done it when it counts in a decade. And he's not going to do it again. He's the modern day Brett Favre. Hey, well, I, and I love Brett Favre. Brett Favre is better than this John. Stop it. Oh my God! All right, all right. So you don't. So then you you doubt you have doubts for New Orleans too. Then I know we're getting to yeah because I don't. I think. Drew Brees is on that cliff and, you know, yeah, are they insanely talented offensively? Yeah. But again, I think rubber meets the road there by the time maybe they get to the conference championship. If they get there, I just think the Seahawks are one of those teams where, again, they remind me in the current day NFL as an organization, they're the closest to the Patriots in my mind. And the fact that they're, they, they're always in the mix. They're all, they always have a chance. And they find themselves, you know, close to uh, a Super Bowl more often than not. So I don't know. I, I just I trust them. I'd like to put my eggs in that basket rather than freaking Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Jesus. Wow. Oh, okay. We'll we'll get more. We'll get more into the other teams, but Seattle the Super Bowl <laughs> did not expect that one when we started this. Not oh, gonna sorry. lie. Sorry about uh, that. We'll move on to the nightcap of Saturday night. We will be talking about the Bucks, your Tampa Bay Bucks. They are minus nine going up against the just god-awful football team. Seven to nine, NFC East champions. The defense for the football team is very good. I will give them that. But their offense is so pitiful. Just they enter the game 
with serious questions on offense due to injuries, Alex Smith, Terry McLaurin, Tonyo Gibson, all of them are questionable for this one. I'm sure they will do their best to play and give it as much of they can of themselves as they can, but there's doubts that they're a hundred percent and Brady leading another playoff run this time it's with the bucks. It's his going to be his 42nd playoff game. Jonathan, I will start with you player player matchup to watch for. I will go. Sorry. Was I echoing there? Good. I will go chase young. Uh, defensive end for the Washington football team. He uh, ran off the field last week and yelled, he wants Tom Brady. He wants Tom Brady. Well, he has Tom Brady. Uh, let's see how he, how he performs. He, he looks like he's worth the number two pick. He looks like he's a stud uh, franchise, like changing uh, edge rusher, but he has a huge matchup tomorrow and Tampa Bay's tackles, uh, Donovan Smith and Tristan Wirf. Tristan Wirf is a rookie. And Donovan Smith uh, has kind of been, from the Tampa Bay games I've watched this year, he's kind of been a turnstile at certain points. You know, their offensive line is better on the inside than they are on the outside. So big game for Chase Young because Tom Brady doesn't like uh, pressure. Um, He's really good against the blitz, but if you can get pressure without, you know, using the blitz, and that's what Chase Young can do, then that's where he tends to struggle. So big game for Chase Young. If he can get pressure up the middle on Brady, then the football team might just have a chance. Dan, what say you? Player to watch for me is Mike Evans, uh, especially after getting banged up last week. Um, you know, I, he practiced yesterday, I believe. Um, so, yeah, kind of see where he's at, one of Brady's uh, favorite targets. And uh, in general, I think, you know, you need him to at least be – you know, decent and competent out there. Um, or even as a, you know, worst case scenario as a sort of a decoy. Um, Cause if he's not out there at all, then I think you're starting to get in real trouble um, against that defense, but with him out there and if he can, you know, be serviceable, then that's a guy that I think you need to watch. Cause we just don't know like how bagged up he is. So. Mm-hmm. So my matchup to watch for in this one is going to be the football team's running game against the Bucks' run defense. The Bucks held opponents to 80 yards a game on the ground. That was best in the league this year. So you, you're already, in terms of the football team, you're already going to be shaky. You're either going to be playing a banged-up Alex Smith or you're going to be playing your backup Taylor Heinke. Maybe I got that wrong. I'm not sure. Um, but regardless, if you want to take some pressure off of either of those two, get the ground game going. And But that was going to be certainly easier said than done in this one. Uh, so they're going to need to get both Gibson and J.D. McKissick going uh, if they want to pull the upset at home in this one. And for that very reason, my X factor has to be whoever plays quarterback for the football team. They have, they have to manage this game effect, effectively, be efficient, be precious, be, do not turn the ball over. If they make mistakes and they are not careful with the ball, this, this could get ugly fast, even with how good the football team's defense has been this year. If the offense can't get anything going, I mean – 
Tom's going to get his. He's going to get his. I just the, – the, the football team is going to have to put points on the board, and they can't expect that to come from defense, special teams, or just a bunch of field goals. They're going to have to lead drives. They're going to have to find the end zone. And with how difficult it's probably going to be to get that going on the ground, they got to get something out of quarter. Whoever plays quarterback for them. Mm -hmm. Dan, go ahead. So for my X factor um, in this one is Alex Smith, ultimately, because like, you know, it's really what his ceiling is and how much uh, he can be effective and, also how, you know, less of a liability, you know, he is. If he's going to be his typical game manager self, maybe make a few throws here and there, um, give them a chance. Uh, if he's getting overwhelmed by the moment or, I don't know, if he gets banged up at all or if the Buccaneers are really putting the pressure on him in terms of uh, in the pocket, yeah, I think it could really flip either way. Yeah, if he's serviceable, and not turning the ball over, and he's not getting banged up big time by uh, the Bucks D-line and pass rush, then I think he gives the football team a chance. Without that, they have no chance. So he is uh, the X factor for me for them. My X factor, uh, going along the lines of Dan, I'm going with someone from Washington. Uh, Ryan, you mentioned how good Tampa Bay is against the run, but they are not so good against the pass. Uh, so my X factor is Terry McLaurin, uh, the Washington second year wide receiver. Uh, this guy's a stud, but he is hurt. He did miss some practice time this week, but he's expected to play. And as we know, Washington's quarterbacks aren't, uh, you know, let's just say good at all. But Terry <laughs> McLaurin, if he, he needs to have a big game because I don't think Washington's going to be able to establish a ground game and, Tampa's going to get their points. Washington has a good defense, but Tampa's still going to score at least in the 20s, in my opinion. So Washington's going to need to to play their game, at play Tampa's game at some point to keep up. So who, who else uh, to call on when you need to score some points than your, probably your best offensive player? And that's mm -hmm. uh, Terry McLaurin. And I will say, before we get into our picks for this one, Alex Smith, I believe, is 5-1 and one as a starter this season. So not all hope is lost if he is able to take the field. Um, <laughs> Bandio. Uh, we'll go with, for me, my picks for this one, I got Tampa Bay covering the minus nine. Uh, I actually like the over in this one, despite how good the defenses are. I think the football team will be able to put up close to 14, well, 17 points maybe a garbage time touchdown to get there. But I ultimately think Tom is going to get close to 30 points on the board in this one. And so I give me the over and I think the Bucks could make a little bit of a noise here. They could make a run to the conference championship, but I'm not sure if I believe in the whole team. I know Tom can win a, a Super Bowl. He's done it several times. We know that. But nobody else on that team has been there and done that. So I think that at some point that the pressure is going to get too great for this team and they're not they're going to crumble before they can get to the Super Bowl. 
right, so I'll... yeah. Okay. Uh, Ryan, I, I agree with some of the points you have there, but I, I do like Tampa Bay to win the game. I actually think uh, Washington is going to cover, though. Mm. I think this game has classic, like, the, the Bucks have done it a few times earlier this year. The Patriots did it a ton when they had Tom Brady. This is the classic. Don't be surprised. I, I'll make a bold prediction right now. Washington will be leading this game at halftime. I think I think it's going to be a slow start for the Bucks. You know, it's going to be like like 10-6 or you know, 7-3 at half, something like that. I think it's going to be pretty low scoring in the first half. You know, the Bucks are going to regroup at half. Brady's going to do his thing and the Bucks are going to win, but uh cuz I think it's going to be a low scoring first half, I am going to take the under uh with Washington to cover. I will go Bucks 24 football team 20. Hmm. Okay. Okay. That's more points than I thought you'd give to the football team, but you're kind of a football team stand. So I guess I'm not too surprised. Uh, so I got the bucks covering here. Uh, kind of like what Ryan said. Um, I, I just think Tom will get to that 30 threshold, if not really close. Um, and the football team, like, yeah, I give them the potential to, get to 20 but ultimately i think they cover that spread and i'll also take the over because like look i just will err on the side of like you said jonathan even if like the the football team is up at half we saw what brady was able to do against the falcons when they were down big again and they that team can just put up points in bunches even if tom i feel like is making a mistake uh, here, there, like they just have so much offensive talent that it's just, I don't know if, to me, it's, it's basically a foregone conclusion. Alex Smith has to have one of the games of his life. If the football team, um, you know, wants to actually dethrone the bucks, you know, in this game. And I just don't see that happening. I don't see them covering either. And I think again, like you said, Ryan, Tom's first playoff game with a different team. It's also, is 42nd, I believe you said. The guy is yep. beyond experienced and beyond seasoned, and I think he's going to get it done, at least in the wild card round here. Now, I know Dan gave his thoughts on how far he thinks Tampa could go, but Jonathan, let me ask you, how you've got Tampa Bay winning, albeit barely. How, how far do you think they can go? Well, I think it relies a lot on their health. Mike Evans, I, I believe he's going to play tomorrow, but He's a big factor for them. He, he's got to get healthy if they want to make a run. Uh, like Dan said earlier, I don't really trust a lot of teams in the NFC. I, I'm high on Green Bay. They would, be my, uh. they're my, they would be my pick to come out. But if I was to rank my teams, I think Tampa Bay might be second for the best teams in the NFC right now. Hmm. So sounds like you, you, you think maybe they got a conference championship run in them. It's possible. Uh, if if they win, uh, they need a another one of the wild card teams to win in order not to face the Packers in the second round. But I think it's possible. Well, even if they did end up facing the Packers, I mean, they blew the roof off of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, that. I mean, obviously, I I would normally tell you like, oh, so, uh, Florida team going up to Green Bay would worry me, but Tom Brady doesn't care about the cold. If but it's the other players on the team might. Mm-hmm. 
if it's Brady versus Rodgers in the next round, Brady's winning that. He's covering and he's hitting the over. I'm telling you right now. Getting way ahead of ourselves now. I'm just letting you know in advance. All right. It's a teaser. It's called a free pick. Your words, not mine, sir. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, move into Sunday's matchups. We'll start with the first one of the day. The Baltimore Ravens travel to Tennessee to take on the Titans. The Ravens are three and a half point favorites and the over under is set at 54 and a half. This is a rematch from earlier in the season when the Titans won 30 to 24 in overtime. And it's also a rematch from last year's divisional round matchup where Tennessee went into Baltimore and shocked the world by upsetting the MVP Lamar Jackson and the top seeded Baltimore Ravens, twenty-eight to twelve. Uh, they, so they've they the Titans seem to have the Ravens' number of late the past year or so. So Dan, I'll start with you on this one. What are you What are you looking for in this one? So I've gone in so many different directions in my own brain about this game. Um, you know, I think the player to watch going to be a boring pick. I know, but it's Lamar. Like it, to me, it's just Lamar. He has kind of shown a couple different sides of himself this year. And he also hasn't proven it in the playoffs. So like, if you're telling me a player to watch, it's that guy, it's the reigning MVP of the league who has yet, albeit he's only had a couple, uh, you know, chances he hasn't gone to done yet in the playoffs. Uh, so, and again, again, he's going against a team that beat him in the playoffs last year. Bit of a revenge game. I know they're on the road. And again, he hasn't been like his MVP self. And he's shown flashes, but he's also shown flashes in the other uh, direction. So, yeah, he, to me, is the guy to watch. Absolutely. Jonathan, what are you watching for? My thing I'm watching for is the entire Ravens offense versus the Tennessee Titans defense. <laughs> I, I'm stunned. I'm stunned that Baltimore is actually favored in this game. Um, considering what you said about how the Titans have kind of had Baltimore's number over the past year and a half, but the Ravens have been an absolute wagon the last couple weeks. Uh, just scoring out of their minds. They look like their offense at the beginning of like last season. And Tennessee's defense has been bad, really bad. And the Raven, I mean, this is like a this is a clash. This is going to be a, a, a slugfest. I think this is probably the game besides maybe the Bucks, but only for the Brady factor. This is this, in my opinion, is going to be the best game of the weekend, and I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Game of the week. Love to to hear it. Uh, so I'm gonna narrow down your your matchup to watch for just a little bit. Yeah. Well, my X my X factor will my X factor will narrow my uh, takes. Down. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna narrow yours down a little bit. Mine is that Tennessee rush defense against the Baltimore rush offense. These these are the two top rushing teams in the league. So it's gonna be imperative for the opposing defenses to force the other team to into passing situations as much as possible. And 
the Titans were just the thing about the Titans is they were below average at doing so this year. So the key here is their front seven's gonna have to hold up. If they let Lamar run wild, if they let Dobbins or Gus Edwards or whoever it may be, they've got a plethora of runners uh, on their team. If they let them run wild, this is going to be a shootout, and it's going to be tough for Tennessee to keep up, even with the, the capable ground attack that they have and quarterback and weapons that they have. Uh, so I think it's crucial for Mike Rabel to make sure that his, his defense holds up on their end. Um, now, conversely, my X factor is on the offensive side of the ball for Tennessee. It's Corey Davis. And A.J. Brown has had a great season, 1,000 yards. He's been spectacular at times. But for me, if they get a great game out of Corey Davis, that could go a long way to turning the tide in this one. He played fairly well in the, in the, the previous two matchups that I mentioned previously. Uh, he went for five, five catches, 113 yards in the matchup this year. And last year in their playoff matchup, he caught a touchdown. So if you get somewhere in the middle there where he gets five catches for 70 yards and a touchdown, that could be huge. That could be the difference where you've got two teams that are so capable on the ground who makes the plays in the air could be the difference. And if a guy like Corey Davis can go off, that could, that could be huge for them. Dan. I hate for this to be my X factor. Cause I, I was kind of leaning your way, Ryan on uh, Corey Davis. Cause as a uh, fantasy owner of Corey Davis, I Governor. really saw, <laughs> I really saw the true effects of, you know, him being up and down, being an X factor, showing true flashes of being a legit guy out there with AJ Brown. But I'm going to go with whoever the fuck is kicking for the Tennessee Titans. Um, whether it's Gustowski or the other dude that I already forget his name, the baby face guy that kind of looks like a, a skinnier ver version of me. Yeah. Slow man. Slow man. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you know who wins? Low man. You know who doesn't win? Slow man. Okay. So whoever's kicking for the Tennessee Titans, they are the X factor to me because even if it is Gostowski, who knows? That guy could miss three of them. He could make all of them. If it's slow man, like he did in that season finale, he could doink it in. <laughs> he, that man doinked it in. How often do you see that happen? All right. So that's my X factor. Special teams. Love, love to see that. Jonathan, go ahead. All right. Well, uh, Tractor Seed is an X Factor for Tennessee, but that that is not worthy of being anyone's X Factor uh, because that's too obvious. My X Factor is going to be – I'm going to stick with Baltimore, as I said before. Their offense is, is what I'm watching. I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. Uh, Hollywood Brown, first-round pick for the Ravens last year. Kind of a disappointment, um, you know, compared to the other receivers drafted in that class, but at least he looks like an actual NFL player, unlike the other wide receivers selected in the first round of that draft. <laughs> but I'll read you this. This is from BaltimoreRavens.com uh, when Tennessee and, and uh, Baltimore played earlier this year. The low point of Brown's 2020 season was the 30-24 overtime loss to Tennessee when he was targeted just three times and did not have a catch. 
It was the only game in Brown's career in which they did not have at least one reception. So Tennessee's defense has been awful. Hollywood Brown, uh, Tennessee's going to score. So Hollywood Brown, the Ravens hate to throw the ball, but I just watched a small, shifty, speedy wide receiver, Brandon Cooks, absolutely torch this Tennessee uh, defense last week in the finale against Houston. I think he had like nine for 150 or something like that. Yeah, and two touchdowns. Yeah. So a similar wide receiver in stature and, you know, size to Brandon Cooks, I would say, is Hollywood Brown, and Hollywood Brown's probably a little bit faster. Uh, so I see no reason why Hollywood Brown can't have a big game if they just allow the wide receiver that I would compare to him uh, to go off the week before. And I think the Ravens are going to need it because Tennessee is going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so let's get into the picks on this one. Uh, I think we're going to be unanimous across the board here. Uh, I got Tennessee straight up. I'm going to the over. And I don't think I need to say much more about it. The defenses don't match up to the to the running games. <clears throat> and I think Tennessee really does have Baltimore's number. And for me, it's just I can't put faith into Lamar until I see it. Prove, prove me wrong. All right. Uh, I, I definitely am going over as well. I think that is – so much money is going to come in on the over in this game. Um, I'm going to go Ravens to win, but Titans to cover. I think it's going to be a field goal game. I see it at three and a half right now for Baltimore. I am going to go Ravens. 38, Tennessee, 35. Yeah, uh, kind of like Jonathan. Um, I got the Ravens winning this game, ultimately, and I do think that uh, Tennessee covers. I think it's, again, I think it's Justin Tucker at the end. I can see it right now. Um, you know, not like – you know, the same type of scenario where Lamar poops his pants literally and then, you know, has to come in at the very end to get them in field goal position. But Paul I do <laughs> Paul Piercing, I do think that um it will come down to a field goal. And Justin Tucker is the best in the game. And I don't I I mean, if it comes down to him, I don't see him missing. So I think the Ravens win. So I was wrong about that one. Um, but one question I want to pose <laughs> to, to both of you is how far do you see the winner of this game going? Because in my eyes, we saw what Tennessee did last year with their little magical run going to the conference championship, giving, ten, uh, giving the Chiefs all they could handle for about a half and then flaming out. Uh, what about this year? Well, so I have Baltimore winning. Yeah. Uh, so I will say I think Baltimore, they can get to, they they can get to the AFC Championship game if they don't have to face Kansas City in the next round. Similar to Tampa Bay, they would have to play Kansas City unless another wild card team wins over the weekend. Um, but they're good. I mean, I would I think they could beat anyone in the AFC besides Kansas City, who, as we saw, um earlier this season, went into Baltimore on Monday night earlier in the season, very early in the season, I think it was week three, and just obliterated them in Baltimore. 
And I think, as you mentioned, Ryan, you said you think Tennessee, you know, kind of has Baltimore's number. I think, I mean, Baltimore kind of has Tennessee's number. I think Kansas City has Baltimore's number, period. Yeah. And I think Baltimore can beat any team in the AFC right now, uh, except Kansas City. So I will go, they will go as far uh, as they can, unless they have to face Kansas City. Like they can go to the Super Bowl if they don't have to face Kansas City. But if they have to face Kansas City, they're not beating them. Dan? Oh, so this is for my uh, player to watch, correct? No, no. <laughs> How far do you think the winner of this game is going? Baltimore, Tennessee. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going that. One. Um, yeah, I don't see them. I don't see either of them making it past the divisional round, either of them. Uh, I think whoever wins this game, nice. You got one. Um, maybe, you know, I think Lamar gets that. Uh, monkey office back in, in terms of a playoff win, but no, I don't think they go any further. I, I actually agree with you, Dan. I, I I think Tennessee will win, but I don't think they'll they'll make it past the next round. Yeah, uh, I, I'm not saying that last year was a fluke, but I don't see them. I think that they're going to end up playing the the Chiefs in the divisional round, and. We saw how that went last year, and I can't see it going much differently, aside from perhaps the Chiefs just blowing the doors out from start to finish. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to Chicago at New Orleans. New Orleans is favored by 10 points in this one. The over-under is set at 47 a uh, couple interesting tidbits. Chicago became only the third team ever to make the playoffs despite having a six-game losing streak during the season. Which is we just, love the Bears. Which is just yeah. bananas to think about. They, they were just a giant streak of a team. Uh, and then on the other side, New Orleans is going to be hoping to get a bunch of skill position players back Michael Thomas missed nine games this season. He missed the last three due to his nagging ankle injury. Uh, he's hopeful to play in this one. And after the entire uh, Saints running back death chart had to sit out the season finale due to COVID protocols, uh, they're hoping to get Kamara, Latavius Murray, and the rest of their running backs back for this one. So for me, my player to watch in this game is Emmanuel Sanders. He has had such an up and down year as the Saints number two wide receiver, despite be basically being their one for half the year with Thomas out. But last week, last week, he had nine catches on 13 targets for 63 yards and a touchdown. If he can replicate that line, and Michael Thomas is able to get his, the Saints are going to be in good shape in this one, in my eyes. Uh, Dan, what do you think? So my player to watch, I hate doing this. Like, I really do. But, like, each of these godforsaken teams making me do this. And it's, it's Drew Brees. Like, I hate picking the quarterback like this constantly, but, like, to me, it's a question mark. If he has Michael Thomas out there and he's Michael Thomas, then, like, yeah, I think Breeze will be fine, fine and dandy. They'll probably cover. But, again, I don't know. 
I don't know if he's going to be out there and what he's going to look like, Michael Thomas. So Drew Brees, for me, is the player to watch and to see what he's got. I mean, I've been waiting for this guy to make a Super Bowl run one more before his career is over. And he just hasn't quite been able to been able to get over that hump. And yeah, so I'm watching him. Uh, my X factor is going to be uh, Chicago Bears running back David Montgomery. This guy has been absolutely cooking uh, the last couple weeks. He destroyed me uh, personally in fantasy, but <laughs> he has he has he had seven touchdowns in their last five weeks of the season. He scored a touchdown every week and had two such instances where he scored. Uh, two touchdowns and you don't really think of David Montgomery as a receiving back. Well, he's averaging four catches per game uh, since they came off their bye, including a career high last week uh, in their loss to the Packers, which kind of spewed it, but he had nine catches last week. David Montgomery had nine catches last week. Uh, so the, the bears are going to need him uh, a lot because outside of Allen Robinson and him, they really don't have that much on offense. So uh, David Montgomery, I'm watching you tomorrow. Way to steal mine. <laughs> hey, go go weep. I am weeping. But to, to sort of elaborate, so for me, you never know what you're going to get for, from Mitch Trubisky. So like you, you, you said, Montgomery definitely needs a big game for the Bears to have a chance. And not only on the ground, but like you said, as a receiver, he's emerging as a receiving threat a little bit now. Uh, and he needs to have a big game all around from scrimmage to take some of the pressure off Trubisky's shoulders. The Bears were 5-3 and three when Montgomery scored in 2020, and that is something he did not do in their overtime loss to the Saints earlier this year. Now, when they played earlier this year, totally different circumstances. Your quarterbacks were Nick Foles and Taysom Hill. Hey. So you can't really read into that one too, too much. <laughs> but that being said, it's going to be key for Montgomery to get going early and often if the Bears want to have a chance in this one. Absolutely. Dan, who's your X Factor? So my X Factor uh, will, in this game, be the Bears D in general. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going vague. All right, I'm going vague for this one, but Bears D, man, you know, like Chuck Pagano, what do you got? What do you got schemed up against that Saints offense and Drew Brees? Um, that's like overall, like what I'm really looking at. I'm looking at how Drew Brees looks out there with or without Michael Thomas. And I'm looking to see how the Bears D, Khalil Mack out there, how they're able to handle the Saints. And if they're able to contain them at all, it's going to be tough because they're in, you know, the vaunted dome. They're in the Superdome. So, I don't know. If they were on the road, I'd be, I'd be singing a much different tune in terms of the Saints. But, yeah, I, I'm i looking at Bears D for the X Factor. All right, while you're at it, give us your picks for this one. Take the Bears points. Take the Bears points. Whatever you do, you take their points. Okay, what was it, seven and a half, Ryan? Uh, no, it's ten. Oh, that's ten. Yeah. Take it, take it and run. Okay. Because I don't think it's going to be a high scoring game. I'm taking the under 
uh, because I ultimately think that playoff games get, you know, they're more physical, they're more tightly contested in, in terms of like, you know, I just don't think blowouts are really as common in the playoffs as you might think. Maybe in the wild card round they are, but with these two teams, it'd be one thing of Drew Brees if this was like five years ago, Drew Brees, but nah, I'm taking the points for the Bears and take the under, please. Jonathan, do you kind uh, of agree or disagree with those? I could not agree more with Dan on the first thing he said that the Bears are going to cover the points. I disagree with him immensely that he's taking the under. I think this game, Mr. Bisky, this guy scores points, baby. No, no, no. I'm taking the over in this game. Bears are going to cover. Give me the over. I think New Orleans still wins, though. They They get the home field advantage. But don't be surprised if my Bears, if our Bears, Dan, Go into go into the Superdome and come out with a win this week. No, no, but get out of I'm here. I'm still going with New Orleans, <laughs> but I am going New Orleans 35, Chicago 31. No, no way, oh. no freaking way. Hammer Absolutely here, not. Never. This no. New Orleans will cover this game because Mitchell Trubisky, for as well as he's played recently since overtaking the gig at the starting gig for the Bears, no, he is a fraud. He is a fraud with no playoff experience to boot. New Orleans will will scheme him up and they will shut him down. New Orleans will cover. The under will hit because the Bears will do nothing offensively. And New Orleans... This has to be their year. It has to be. I will will this into existence. <laughs> they have gotten the short end of the playoff stick for too many years in a row, whether it be pass interferences gone wrong, just crazy plays at the end of games, Hail Marys, just they have gotten the short end of the stick in consecutive years for <laughs> too long. And I'm not even a Saints fan. I just feel terrible for them. I even will this into existence. They're making it to the Super Bowl this year. I don't think they'll win it, but I think they're finally going to get their crack. Drew Brees will get his crack at winning one more, and it's going to be this year. All right. Math. Damn. All right, and that leads us to the final matchup of the weekend, and that would be the Cleveland Browns. Dan, it's your Cleveland Browns. Mm-hmm. Going into Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. The Steelers are six-point favorites in this one, over/under listed at forty-seven and a half. It's the rubber match. It's going to be the rubber match between division rivals as Cleveland makes their triumphant return to the postseason, first time since two thousand and two. I know DS is as pumped as possible. However. <laughs> In the two regular season matchups that they split, Pittsburgh destroyed them in the first time around when everyone was playing, except for maybe Nick Chubb. I think Chubb was out. Um, 38-7. And then they played last week, in week 17, the Steelers sat Big Ben, some other starters, and the Browns only won by two. So, Jonathan, I'll start with you on this one. What are you watching for? 
this game, I, I might have to uh, wash my eyes out before I watch this disgusting game. So, uh, but I am watching Cleveland's coaching staff because they are riddled with COVID. I'm pretty sure that Kevin Stefanski, their head coach, is not even going to be there tomorrow. He's out. Uh, Can't yeah. even participate in the game whatsoever. So, I am really interested in seeing how they call tomorrow's game. Uh, every, it's These teams know each other very well. This is their third time meeting this season. They play every year twice, at least, as we know, as divisional opponents. Uh, so I'm really interested to see uh, if Cleveland's coaching staff can uh, pull together tomorrow or if they come completely unhinged and without their, their leader, Stefanski, and is completely imploded. See, for me, it has to be Baker Mayfield. And I, I, I don't want to be like DS and, and, and kind of harp on the quarterbacks in, in this regard. But, damn it, it's time for Baker Mayfield to prove his worth as a number one overall pick. He, this, is his, this is the big stage for him. It's his first trip. And he, he needs to show up. He needs to show up and show out. And it's going to be hard. Like you said, he's without his head coach, who's been – calling the plays all season long. So it's going to be an uphill battle, especially going up against a division rival. But, man, if he puts up a stinker Sunday night, I mean, do, do the Browns move on from him? Like, I, that wouldn't be the most surprising thing. I, no. I, I'm not if, – if he craps the bed Sunday night, I don't know if the Browns can say he's their quarterback of the future. I mean, let's talk about assault. That's assault, brother. This man, Baker, just got them back to the playoffs first time in 18, how many? 18 years. And you know what I'm saying? The X Factor, or X Factor, player to watch for me in this game. Yeah, it's a quarterback. It ain't Baker. It's Big Ben. Hey, Big Ben. Yeah, you needed that, uh, Week 17 off, huh? You need to get that little extra bye week in play. I get it. You had your bye week kind of effed with earlier on in the year. I understand. But, you know, elbow surgery, you know, a year plus ago, you're getting shaky towards the end of this season. I don't know, Big Ben. I don't know. Big boot. Big boot going to come out. I don't know. And like you said, Ryan, it should be Baker's time to, you know, Show something, prove something. He's gotten them to the playoffs, okay? So I think this ultimately is sort of like a changing of the guard, you know? It it sucks if you're a Steelers fan, but it's sort of a passing the torch, if you will. All right, Jonathan. Do you have an X Factor for in this one? (laughs) Yeah, uh, my X Factor is going to be our guy, Ryan Deontay Johnson. Uh, Uh, Love it, love it. He's definitely emerged as the Steelers' number one wide receiver in my eyes. He's consistently their highest targeted wide receiver, basically on a week-to-week basis since about the midway point of the season. And I just think Cleveland – I mean, Denzel Ward is pretty good. I'm interested to see who Denzel Ward gets matched up against, whether it's him or Juju or even, I guess, Claypool. But I wouldn't expect him to get matched up against Claypool. But I expect a, a pretty good game for Deontay Johnson tomorrow. I mean, the Steelers have nothing in terms of a run game. It's, it's pitiful. It's, it's a disgusting to watch them try to run the ball. 
So they're gonna throw their they're gonna do what they normally do. They're gonna throw a ball forty five times, and let's see what Deontay Johnson got. For me, it's on the Brown side of the thing of offense, and it's Kareem Hunt. Uh, the Browns were six and two this year when Kareem Hunt found Pater. So keeping him involved, and not just involved, but seeing getting him into the end zone is gonna be crucial for him. I'm, not only does he need to have a good game, but yeah, you need a good game out of Chubb too. But if but history tells us this season that if Hunt finds the end zone, the Browns have a pretty good shot of winning the game. So if if Hunt and Chubb can be an effective two-headed monster that they've been at times this year, that's gonna that's gonna be vital and, and huge for the Browns to get a postseason dub here against their division rivals. So Dan, my X factor, my X factor. So I want to just go with what you went with, Ryan. Um, but you know, I'll throw uh, Miles Garrett in there uh, because okay. again, if you're the Browns, one offensively, you can't f up, and you have to be able to put up a decent amount of points. But defensively, you got to get to Big Ben, and you know he's old. He he's getting up there. You know he's been banged up over the last couple of years. You got to get to Big Ben because if you're going to allow him to pick apart your defense with the wide receiver core that he has, and if they're having, you know, a good day out there, he's going to light you up. He will light you the F up. So Miles Garrett, that's, you know, the onus is on you to be able to establish that, that pass rush. So I think that's, that's vital. All right, so let's get to our picks for the final this final matchup. Uh, before we do, though, I do want to mention before anyone makes their picks that Pittsburgh is ten and one all time in third meetings with a team. So when they're yeah. playing a divisional rival in the playoffs, they've only lost once. Ten and one. No, Just keep no. that in mind. Uh, so Jonathan, why don't you lead us off here? All right, as I mentioned before, this game is going to be absolutely disgusting. It is – I might fall asleep during it. It's it's the late game on Sunday. After five probably pretty good games before it, we get stuck with this disgusting trash game. Uh, I'm definitely taking the under. I'm taking the Steelers. The Browns are just – they're awful. They're, they're, they're such frauds. And it's definitely the under. Give me the Steelers. Just this score, this score is going to need some help to count. But Steelers, 25. <laughs> Browns, 16. What the hell, man? What is that? What is he? What even is that score? You'll see. Oh, so. You'll see. So you're going to take the Browns money line. Okay. Oh. Browns, Browns money line. You know what? I've been on the coattails of just about every one of these favorites besides the Bears. I took Bears points. You know what? You take Browns money line, you throw your sack on a game for once. Say, you know what? I'm going to have some big balls here and I'm going to lay them on the table. Cleveland Browns money line and take the goddamn over while you're at it because no. the Steelers. 
Steelers are putting up at least 24, 25. Guess what? You're going to have to run a lot of Baker plays, maybe get up to the 30 range. I love the Browns money line and the over fucking hammer it. What? Oh my Oh, I, I am so in agreement with Jonathan and so against what just came out of your mouth, Dan. Can't wait for that, Sunday night. Can't that wait. Was, that was such cap. That nope. no, 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 no. You nope. have not seen clearly, you have not watched the Pittsburgh Steelers over the past month on offense. Dreadful. Dreadful. There's a reason they were 11 0 and they finished 12 and 4. Okay. The, You'll they, see. They, they are limped to the finish line. They're going to struggle to put up points. I agree. Take the under. Easy, easy clap. And easy. yeah, give me Pittsburgh. They own the Browns when going. push comes to shove. They're, in my opinion, this the moment is too big for Baker. He's going to crumble. He, the offense is going to struggle. And I, I, don't, I don't see this game being competitive. But I also don't see Pittsburgh going much farther than this this round. No, who, whoever wins whoever wins this game, they lose the next game. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. These are the two worst teams in the AFC that made the playoffs. I, I would agree I, with that. Stage. I would put the Col- I would put the Colts ahead of them, the Bills ahead of them, both of them, and then the Rams and Titans ahead of them too. Yeah. I don't care if Pittsburgh is the three seed. They're playing like a garbage team. Like they're playing worse than even the Dolphins were. They're, down they're they're last year's Patriots, a team that started off really well with a pretty trash schedule, and then they played some competition down the stretch, and they folded. The only difference is that instead of playing a, a Tennessee team that was hitting their hitting the right mark at the right time, they play a trash uh, Cleveland team. So they'll get to get a win this week, and then it'll be done. Yep, one hundred percent agree. All right, so that's that's a wrap for our wild card weekend preview. But before I let you two go. I do want to get your guys' quick thoughts on the Boston Celtics so far. They're six and three. They're playing, we'll call it well. It's a, it's a good start. Not bad, not great. It's a good start. Uh, so, Jonathan, what's one thing you've liked about the Celtics so far, or one thing that you haven't liked? One thing I've liked about the Celtics is the emergence of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum as legit 1A, 1B, like looks like superstars. Tatum, I have already known that he's going to be a superstar in the league. But Brown looks like he's playing. I I originally thought Brown's like ceiling was going to be like a fringe, like all-star, all-star player. Someone like CJ McCollum or something like that. Yeah. The way Brown has started this season makes me think he can he he has a ceiling of like an all NBA like third team type player. Uh, and that is what you need. I think to win a championship, you need two all NBA players on your team. Everyone talks about an, a, a big three, but I really think if you have two all NBA players, you got a real shot. And so uh, I've been very impressed by them. One thing I have not been impressed by is the rookie. At the rookie, not the point guard, the rookie Aaron Neesmith. This guy is trash. Uh, I'm very close to calling him done. The Celtics have some COVID issues. They have a, they're going to have a very short bench for the next few games. This is a big spot for the young man from Vanderbilt. 
and he better show up because what I saw, what I've seen so far this season and what I saw the last time he played, which was in Toronto, well, in Tampa against Toronto, was just horrific. This guy, he's the best shooter in the draft. He's 2-9 from three so far. He played 10 minutes the other night and had four fouls. He looks completely lost on both sides of the ball. And this guy was picked in the lottery. I'm not asking him to be a superstar. I'm not even asking him to be a starter. But mm-hmm. just, I need a little bit something out of you. Because it looks like this guy, I mean, this guy looks like the next James Young or, or Yabu. That's what he looks Ooh. like to me. Ooh. A complete boss. Uh, to, to go back to your point about needing two All-NBAers, look, look no further than last year. I know yes. it's LeBron and AD, and those are generational talents, but they didn't have any All-Stars aside from those two. So yeah. it, it can be done. Even if it took generational talents to do it, it can be done. Uh, Dan, uh, what's one thing that you you've liked about the Celtics so far, or one thing that you've liked, you haven't liked about the Celtics. So I just don't like Marcus smart. I, I don't know what it is about this guy. I don't know, like if it's just a, an ego thing, or if it's like a pecking order thing where he thinks he is on the same level of, of Tatum and Brown, or if like, he just thinks he needs to be, I don't know, but like, Bottom line, he's not. And the fact that he doesn't understand that, he doesn't know his actual role or what he does best and how to limit what he doesn't do best, I don't know. Like, I don't know how long we have to do this. You know, I know, you know, Brown and Tatum didn't really come into the fold until, you know, a few years ago, but it's been seven years. You know, we've had this guy since 2013 or 2014 and like he was a top six pick he was the sixth pick in the draft and I think he has still a lot of good redeeming qualities to his game but ultimately like it just seems like he does things that are just so counterintuitive to what the Celtics are about and I think he needs to be able to defer more and if he can't defer more then this team is not going to win a championship if he is basically your third most talented guy on the team, there's no, no realistic way in my mind. Cause he's going to eventually he's going to bite you in the ass. He's going to find a way, you know, whether it's, you know, end of the game, locker room stuff, whatever, throwing chairs, or if it's just pissing off the rest of the guys, because he's taking ill-advised shots at ill-advised times. He is something I do not like. I don't like, and I like him overall as a player of what he could be if he understood his role, but he doesn't. And I don't like it one bit. Well, one way to fix that, get Kemba Walker back on the court. Hopefully we'll get an update in the the near future on what his timeline for a return is. Uh, But he has yet to take the court so far this season. Uh, That, that can only help to, to, to alleviate that concern, in my opinion, Dan. Uh, but for me, although it's early, it's encouraging to see the Celtics sixth in the league in steals and second in blocks per game. They have six different rotation players averaging at least 0.8 blocks per game, and they have six rotation players averaging at least one steal a game. So while if you look at the numbers in terms of uh, opponent's field goal percentage, opponent's three-point percentage, 
uh, those numbers aren't looking too great. They're, they're kind of in the middle 15 to 20 range. Uh, so they're, they're struggling in terms of def defensive efficiency. The fact that they're showing a propensity for making plays on the defensive end shows to me that they should be more than capable of turning it around and, and possibly turning into a top 10-ish defense when all is said and done at the end of the season. Um, we've, I've talked at length before about how this team needs a rim protector on defense, and it looks like Robert Williams may be that man. So hopefully he can stay healthy. Uh, he is COVID positive, so he's going to be out for a little bit. Uh, so he, he will be missed as well as others that are going to have to sit out uh, due to being close contacts. Uh, but from what I've seen so far, the, I totally agree with your take, Jonathan. Tatum and Brown are looking legit, coming out of the gate hot. And if they can round out, come into form defensively, they, I think this, they, they look, they'll have a good outlook for the playoffs. Uh, yeah, last thing. Go ahead, Dan. I just want to say, Tristan Thompson was a good signing. I think if if he's a guy that you know is in there in place of a guy like Ennis Cantor, I just think Tristan Thompson brings a a much better NBA body to the floor and a guy that, yeah, like I know it was with LeBron and company, but he's won a title. He's you know the only guy on that team that can point to like, hey, I was actually a part of championship team by the way. Um, didn't know if you if you knew that. So like Thompson to me is a good positive early on as well um, that I just wanted to point out. Like, yeah, is he is he going to be you know your second guy off the bench or like one of your best contributors? No, but he's a better better fit than they had than you know the likes they had before, like uh, Cantor and Poirier and all those other Johns that suck. Jonathan, any any final thoughts? Um, well, I already said Aaron e. Smith stinks. I gotta I gotta get that burned into people's minds. Um, and I never want to see um, Tremont Water start an NBA game ever again. He started uh, Monday night for the Celtics when they played Toronto, and uh, he was as I expected. He doesn't belong in the NBA. He can go win some Euroleague MVP. Him and Carson Edwards can go tear up some German league. Get him out of the NBA. They're not NBA players. All right. So before I get off the air officially and we wrap up, I do want to recap uh, last week's college football playoff semifinal yep. matchups. Bama handled Notre Dame, won by 17 by a score of 31 to 14. And Ohio State came out of nowhere to just roll over Clemson 49 to 28. Uh, so we will be getting Alabama versus Ohio State in the national title game. Devonta Smith, the wide receiver for Alabama, comes into the game as the Heisman Trophy winner. He is the first wide receiver to win the award since 1991. Uh, there have been rumors that the game may be in doubt or has, will have to be pushed back due to COVID issues in Ohio State. Uh, but as, as, far as, as far as we know, it's still scheduled to go on this Monday. Uh, so hopefully that will happen and everyone 
the both teams will have as many players as possible available. And lastly, in, in what I feel should be, hopefully, hopefully, a fantastic back and forth game between two of the best offenses in the country, two stout defenses. Give me Alabama minus eight to cover. And the over under is set at 75. Give me the over. Give me the over in this one. Give me all the points in this one. I hope we, we get a tremendous back and forth game because we did not get that in the semifinals. So for Jonathan Sullivan and Dan Sadik, thank you guys. My name is Ryan Brown, and this has been another episode of Fixin' to Talk Sports. Thank you, Ryan. Fuck Duke. Thank you, Ryan. Go Tatum. Fuck Duke. <laughs>